Okay, um, I thought we'd do something crazy like preach on, I don't know, Christmas today. So um, we're going to be backing up in Matthew, actually, uh, and we're going to be preaching out of Matthew chapter 1. Now, each year, you know, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we always hear the Christmas story. And when I say that, I'm not talking about Ralphie and the leg lamp. How many people watch that every year? There's always the Christian back there going, I don't watch that spelt. Well, you're missing out, homie. Anyway. But everyone knows the greatest Christmas movie of all time. The heart wrencher, the one that touches people in a deep place. Die hard. <laughs> but anyway. Anyway, so, um, but every, you know, every Christmas as we celebrate, we always have, you know, the Christmas story. And I love this story. And I, I started when I first, you know, when the kids were first old enough to, to understand, we always read the Christmas story out of Luke chapter 2. Uh, now they're older. Uh, and, you know, it's funny, you think that they will hate that, but, you know, still on Christmas morning, they go, who's going to read it? So, you know, it's, I love the Christmas story, but I do feel like there's a lot more to the story than we consider. Uh, and, and I think when we celebrate Christmas, we, we focus a lot on a lot of the traditions, you know, uh, and I know everybody has their, their own traditions. I mean, we sing about the herald angels and the round young virgin and how many people think, I mean, have certain kinds of things you make just on Christmas? Anybody? How many people make the Buckeyes, those little chocolate-covered peanut butter balls? Serious, you, someone better raise their hand. That is blasphemy. To st- <laughs> those of you who don't make those, come pray with me after service. Sheesh. How about the sugar cookies with the, with the sticky t- icing on top? What are you guys, vegetarians that just eat... I'm ashamed. But anyway, we all have these traditions that we keep, and, and, and I love that. I love that. And, uh, but we give gifts, you know, to commemorate God's gift to Mary, Joseph, and the world in the person of Jesus. And, you know, all these time-honored traditions are just, you know, they're amazing. They're awesome, and they bring great joy. And I'm a Christmas person. I love, love, love Christmas. So I have nothing against any of that. But there are so much, there's so many things that we don't discuss and that we can learn from the events that lead up to the manger, right? And, and there's some I'd like to discuss today, uh, and one of those events that we never really discuss, I'm calling the Joseph Effect, and that's the name of the message today, is the Joseph Effect. Now, for those of you who don't know, probably the same people that don't make Buckeyes, Joseph was the husband of Mary, the mother of Jesus. I thought I'd explain that to those who don't make Buckeyes, but anyway, so that's who Mary was engaged to. Now, in my opinion, he's one of the great unsung heroes of the Bible. I mean, if you notice, we don't hear a ton about him, do we? I mean, beyond this. But I think he's one of the great unsung heroes of the Bible. What he was asked to do, what he was asked to believe was very, very difficult. And I don't know any man that wouldn't have struggled with what he was asked to believe and with what he was asked to do, right? But it's what he, it's what he almost did that I want to look at today, because Joseph almost put away the greatest gift God ever gave. So let's jump right into this. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Okay, now first, I want to take a little time to explain the difference between engagements then and engagements now. And some of your Bibles may say betrothals, but it's the same thing. There's a big, big difference. Like today, 
if we love someone and we want to marry them, we propose, right? I mean, it's pretty simple, and some people, you know, like to propose in the romantic setting, you know, and they get down on one knee, and, you know, they're in a, you know, a gazebo by a beautiful lake, and they have music playing, and yeah, guys like that, but anyway, (laughs) some like proposing, you know, at their favorite stadium and have it put up on the big screen. Now, that's romantic. That's, that's a heart-wrencher right there. But either way, I mean, it's pretty simple for us. I mean, you know, usually there's one person, whoever's asking, because this day I guess both people ask anyway. Um, and, uh, you know, somebody's nervously waiting for an answer. You know, it's either a celebrated yes or a heartbreaking no. Is anybody else, when you see an engagement on TV, TV worried they're going to say no? They're like, oh, they're going to engage publicly. I'm like, change it. I can't take this. But that's, that's, that's kind of how it goes. But in Joseph's time, the engagement or the, or the betrothal was completely, completely different. Because in the Jewish culture, an engagement or a betrothal was a formal contract. I mean, a formal contract. And this was a contract between a man and a woman. And, and what they did was they made the first part of this contract well before they were even of marrying age. I mean, they were still little children when this contract was, uh, was starting to be drawn up, right? So an engagement contract had two phases at that time. It had two phases. The first one were the, uh, was that the families would choose who they wanted to marry their child. Okay, they would choose someone for them. And it was usually the boy's parents, and they chose a girl between 12 and 13 years old, which I know we think about that and we're thinking, ew. But, I mean, different time frame, Right? And then the two families would work out this, this future wedding plans informally. They would make out these future wedding plans, right? And then they usually didn't actually get married until they got to the right mature marrying age of between 15 and 18. Because everybody knows that's when you make the best decisions in life. <laughs> but times were different then, right? That's usually when they actually would get married. Now, phase two was the more formal arrangement that were made when it was almost time to be married. Uh, And at this time, there was a legal contract drawn up, and it it had witnesses and everything. It was a legal, legal contract, right? And at the moment that that was agreed upon, the moment that that contract was settled, then by law, the husband had legal rights as a husband to be called the husband for her to be called his wife. At that time, the deal was pretty much sealed except for the ceremony, right? So the couple would actually refer to each other while they were betrothed, and after they'd got to this point, they would refer to each other as husband and wife. If you notice in Matthew 119, uh, Joseph is referred to as Mary's husband, even though just a few verses before that it says they're engaged, right? So, I mean, the moment that the contract was settled... This wasn't just your fiance. Now you referred to her as your wife, and she referred to you as your husband if you were the man. So this was kind of how that went. Now the betrothal would last about one year, about one year, and they were giving them time to get their home prepared and to get things handled. So it took about one year, and then they would would have the wedding, right? And once the home was established and they were married, then they started their life, right? Now I know a lot of this seems like it's pretty extreme, right? You hear this and you think, gosh, I mean, that's a lot of work, and it doesn't seem very romantic. And it doesn't seem, you know, like there's a whole lot of passion and love involved. But you know, the odd thing is, is they had a high success rate in marriage. But that's another sermon. I'll preach on that later. But that's how it was done. So I just want you to understand what this meant when it said they were engaged to be married, and she comes to him, and she's pregnant. So let's jump back to verse 19, back into the story, Matthew 1, 19. It says, 
Joseph to whom she was engaged, now we know that that means, right, it was serious, uh, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now, one thing I think that jumps out to you right away is it really shows us that Joseph loved her. I mean, Joseph obviously loved her because think what most men would think. Imagine how Joseph felt when his young bride-to-be comes up to him. I mean, the contract settled legally, you know, they're each other's, and she comes up and says that she's pregnant. And I know we like to think in spiritual terms all the time when we read stories in the Bible, right? But he was a man, okay? Now, everybody in here, I don't care how close to Jesus you are, if you were in his shoes, and your wife comes up and says, I'm pregnant, but don't worry. Yes, it's not yours. Bad news. Good news. It's from God. It's not from any human. Let's, let's be honest. How many men would be like, oh, okay. Well, since it's from the Holy Spirit, no problem. I mean, this had to be difficult. This had to be difficult. And yes, there was a prophecy that said this would happen. Isaiah 7, 14 says, therefore, the Lord himself will give us a sign. Behold, what? A virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. So yes, there was this prophecy out there. I'm sure he knew about the prophecy. But, you know, she comes up and she's pregnant and it's by the Holy Spirit. This would be really, really difficult. And most men, most men in that culture would have publicly disgraced her. They would have publicly said, you're not going to believe the story this chick just told me. You are not going to believe it. She is trying to make a fool out of me. She thinks I'm stupid. I know how babies are made. You know how babies are made. And she's got one and it wasn't me. This is what most men would have thought. They would have wanted to publicly disgrace her. But Joseph truly loved her. And he was in a really difficult situation. I don't know if you think about this, but we, we discussed how serious the engagement you know, was to the people of that time. Having an affair while engaged was considered adultery. Just as if they were completely married, ceremony and all, there was no difference. It was considered adultery. And publicly shaming Mary could have cost her life. She could have been put to death for this. Okay, so if he publicly denounces her, it might cost her her life. And by not divorcing her, if, if the word got out, that she was pregnant and he didn't divorce her, everyone would think that they had had premarital relations, which was a big no-no too, which would have made him look bad. So either way he went, it was a difficult situation. The easiest would have probably been, if he didn't care for her, just say, I had nothing to do with this killer. But he didn't do that because he truly loved her. I mean, he truly loved her, but he was really between a rock and a hard place. So imagine the fear that started running through Joseph's mind. I mean, just imagine for a second. But what he really should have been doing, and I've always been shocked about this when I read this story, he never consulted God. Did you notice that? I mean, if he really loved her, and he did, and he was where he was supposed to be with God, that's a pretty big story, and he's between a rock and a hard place, you would think the first thing he would do would be get on his hands and knees and say, God, what am I supposed to do here? 
I don't believe her. You notice he didn't do that. It always troubled me. But he didn't do that because fear had completely robbed him of his faith. And I know that's happened to each one of us in here at one time or another. Fear had completely robbed him of his faith. So here's the beautiful thing. When we won't reach out to God, because he wasn't, God loves us so much that he will reach out to us. Have you ever purposely not been praying about something because you really don't want to know what God thinks about it? I'm not going to make you raise your hand on that one. But you know what I mean. You know he doesn't want you to make that purpose, so your wife goes, let's pray about it, and you're like, well, it's handled. You didn't say, you're not lying, you just said it was handled, you made the decision. But you don't want to pray, you're afraid he'll say no. Right, or you're angry at somebody, and and you're like, someone tells you, your pastor says, you should pray about whether you should you know, maybe go to him and, and tell him that you're sorry. Maybe that, and you're saying, yeah, okay. And you leave there going, I'm not praying that because God might tell me to do that very thing and I don't want to. Right, there are times we don't pray and we don't want to hear the answer and he will reach out to us. And you know what I mean? We're like, every time you turn the radio on, it's answering the prayer you didn't make. Everybody ever, anybody ever had that happen to him? Every time you open the Bible and you try to avoid that topic and wherever you open, it's talking about that topic. And whenever someone comes to you and wants to talk spiritual things, they want to talk about that thing. It's God going, you may not have come to me, but I'm coming to you. Because I want to talk to you about this. I want to discuss this with you. So God reached out to him. See, what Joseph didn't realize was God was actually trying to bless him. This difficult situation, this chaos, right? I mean, this struggle, this adversity was God actually trying to bless him and give him and Mary a very powerful, powerful gift. But see, that's how fear works. It always robs us of God's greatest gifts. That's what fear does. Fear keeps us from believing that what God is doing is for our good. Fear keeps us from accepting gifts that God is trying to bring us right even when we're struggling. And we'll discuss that a little bit more as we go on. So let's move forward because since Joseph was a good man, he decided to do this quietly. So this is what I call the section I call the the Joseph effect part one. Uh, Matthew chapter one, starting in verse 20. Says, as he considered this, talking about Joseph, says, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, what were his next words? Do not be afraid. You know, if we sought God out in most of our struggles where fear sets in, I think these would be the first words he'd speak to us. He's like, listen, faith and fear, they don't walk hand in hand. So if you want the answer that you're looking for, first, do not be afraid. It says, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. So the first part of the Joseph effect is allowing fear to distract you from God. 
Okay, the Joseph effect can start in your life with allowing fear to distract you from God. The angel says, first and foremost, do not be afraid. So what God was saying through the angel was, listen, if it wasn't for fear, you would have reached out to me in this chaos. You would have trusted me in this chaos, and you wouldn't be suffering like you're suffering right now. See, but Joseph did what most people do when they're faced with a difficult situation. We just worry. We just worry. Now, let's be honest. Let's have one of our moments of confession. How many people struggle with worry? Yeah. Some people do. I don't. I'm perfect. No, I'm just kidding. It's tough. A lot of people do this. When something comes up, our first reaction should be oh i'm gonna pray about this i'm gonna pray about this now how many people really do that always and there's no hands right so joseph wasn't that big of an idiot after all was he i mean all of us do this but you know think about it most people when we're faced with difficult situations we just allow our fear to blind us from everything else and joseph almost missed the greatest gift god ever had given anyone Or allowed anyone to be a part of because he was blinded by his fear. So because he wouldn't reach out, God reaches out to him and reassures him and strengthens his faith through an angel. Now imagine how Joseph felt when he realized what he almost did. Have you ever almost done something and you just hesitate for a minute and find out later, whoo, am I glad I didn't do that. Anybody ever done that? Like drop somebody from fantasy and they... (laughs) End up racking up 39 points. Okay, that's so carnal, Pastor Chris. Anyway, but you know what I'm saying. You know, I mean, I remember one time I was working on something electrical. I know, right? Do I need to say anything else? You know, and I was thinking to myself, this isn't hot. I can just touch these wires. And I'm getting ready, and all of a sudden I go, or I could take another second and go check the breaker. Yeah, I turned the wrong breaker off, right? I sat there and thought, whew. I almost got shocked, and there was no one here to laugh at me. I mean, think about it. (laughs) There are times, and you just imagine what he felt like when he realized, oh my gosh, I could have put away the mother of the Messiah rather than being the man who was able to raise the Messiah. Imagine what he, I mean, just how that had to feel. But thankfully, he did something that some people still don't do when God reaches out to us, when we won't reach out to him. He believed God's message, and he obeyed it. And as a result, he got to be a part of one of the greatest gifts ever given. I think that is so powerful because there are times when God gives us all special gifts, and we quietly reject them. And the reason is fear often keeps us from believing or opening God's gifts. Fear keeps us from opening God's gifts. See, Joseph just couldn't imagine God blessing him through this mess. You know, I mean, he was thinking, surely this can't be from God. God wouldn't let my virgin bride come up pregnant. He'd have to know what that would put me through. I mean, he couldn't even imagine that this could be a gift from God. He just couldn't imagine that, right? I mean, this was a difficult, difficult situation, but he had forgotten about a few things. If you think back, if you remember the patriarchs, all the great people of the Bible, he would have realized that God 
gave them the greatest gifts wrapped in adversity and wrapped in chaos and wrapped in struggle. And the wrapping paper was confusing on the gifts he gave them, but they had to have enough faith to open them to become blessed. He'd forgotten that Moses became a leader only after becoming a fugitive and losing everything and wandering around in the desert, talking to flaming bushes, right? This is when Moses found out that God had gifted him to be the Savior of Israel. He didn't know that until he was a fugitive, right? You guys remember Joseph of the Old Testament? I mean, think about this guy. His brothers sell him into slavery. He goes into slavery, still has faith. They falsely accuse him of rape. They throw him in jail, still has faith, becomes a great servant in jail. And through all of that chaos and through all of that tragedy, seeming tragedy, and through all those struggles, what he didn't realize was God was positioning him to be in the right place to receive the right gift so he could open it and be blessed. And from the jail, he became the second most powerful man alive in the world. God was just positioning him to receive a gift. And yeah, the wrapping paper might have been a little bit tragic, but he had faith that what God was giving him as a gift was going to be amazing. Look at this, Genesis chapter 5, verse 20. I've always loved these verses. I couldn't help but jump to this because Joseph, after he becomes the second most powerful man, gets the opportunity to face his brothers. And he says, Genesis chapter 5, 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended all for what? All for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Joseph's one of the few, Old Testament Joseph is one of the few that actually understood that sometimes God's gifts come wrapped in chaos and pain and struggle. But what happens is the enemy talks us out of ever opening it, talks us into being sorry for ourselves, right? If you think about it, even Jesus withstood adversity and pain and chaos in order to be the Savior of the world. Why would we feel like it would be any different for us? You see, every year we wrap up presents for the people we love. I'm terrible at it. Is anybody here terrible at wrapping gifts? You know, here's the way I see it. Okay, and this will make great sense to the men. You're going to tear it open anyway. (laughs) Am I right? And, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the women make it look so easy. The scissors just slide across. I try that, and it goes, (laughs) you know, and all the... And they're like, here's how you make a ribbon. And I go, snip. Well, mine just cuts off. You know, and so when I wrap something, it looks like it fell three stories into like a truck hauling, you know, wrapping paper. But they open it and like what's in it. Anyway, it's not always about how it's wrapped up. Let me ask you something. If you think your husband just bought you a three-carat diamond ring and he wrapped it terribly, you opening it? (laughs) Or are you going, I don't like that wrapping paper? Sometimes that's how God's blessings work. But anyway, we wrap up these presents for our loved ones, you know, and, and, and the wrapping paper in the boxes are designed to hide the gift, right? They're designed to hide the gift. That, that, that's why we do that, right? I mean, part of the fun is seeing them anticipate opening something that you got for them that they know is going to be awesome. That's part of the fun. Right? Part of the fun is, is trusting that they love you and you know, trusting that what they give you is going to be good for you. And so part of the fun is looking at that and walking by and shaking it, you know. Who's the shakers here? Present shakers. Who's the openers and peekers? Let's be honest. Thank you. Thank you. 
I knew that would be Michelle. Mrs. Read the last chapter before you read a book. But anyway, <laughs> she does. Freak. Anyway. You know, I mean, that's just part of the fun. Have you ever wrapped something, because they're so confident they're going to get it, you wrap it like it's something totally different? <laughs> like they're expecting a necklace, and it comes in a box like this, so you get a box like this, stuff it full of peanuts and, you know, leftover McDonald's bags, which only guys would do, and you get it all packed, and you set it under the tree like that, so they can walk by going, what the heck? Did he get, you ever do that? You, know, you try to disguise that gift by putting it in a different box, Right? You know, hoping that, you know, they still believe you're going to give them something awesome. Well, I want you to imagine something for a second. Imagine the wrapping is bad. Imagine the box isn't what they had hoped. Imagine the package didn't come like they thought. And as soon as they see it, rather than trust that you're still doing something good for them, they start complaining. They refuse to open it and start trying to figure out a way to get what they wanted for themselves anyway. And just reject it. Have no plan to open that whatsoever. Imagine how you would feel. If knowing you gave them exactly what they wanted, what they needed, yeah, you wrapped it janked up. Or you put it in a big box, but you'd think they'd trust you enough to know that you give them what they need because you love them. But no, they see it and they go, idiot, there's no way that's my necklace. There is no way. You know what? I'm not even opening that crap. I don't care what it is. I'll find a way to get it. How would you feel? I mean, think about this. You see where I'm going? You see where I'm going with this? And then they start whining to you. One thing I asked for, Kevin, one thing. <laughs> and I get this huge box that's wrapped like Stevie Wonder did it. <laughs> I know it's not what I asked for. You always fail me. And Kevin's going, I'd love to get that out of that box and throw it away. You know, this, this is what happens when we don't trust that sometimes God's gifts are wrapped in difficulty and struggle and chaos, but we still believe that he's in control and that he wants to bless us and the gift he's going to give us is going to be amazing. You know, God sometimes wraps his blessing in difficulty and struggle and chaos, but he, no matter what it's wrapped in, he always makes sure that when you open it, it's exactly what you needed. Exactly what's going to make your life better. This is, I mean, it's so crazy. Because, you know, he does that because he wants you to understand that sometimes facing difficulty and chaos and fear with faith in your heart always ensures a blessing. He wants people to see that even when things are chaotic and the wrapping isn't good and the box looks wrong, that his people believe enough to trust him to give them the gifts that they need. He wants that. So yes, sometimes he wraps it in adversity, not because he doesn't want to bless you, because he wants to bless you despite the adversity because your faith was strong during it. That's why he does it that way. That's why he does it that way. And it's happened so many times in our lives and we refuse to recognize it. Have you ever lost a job and immediately felt abandoned by God? that ever happened to you? I won't make you raise your hand, but it's happened to me. You know, and the first thing we think, because fear climbs in, is great, now how am I going to pay my bills? Why would God allow this to happen to me? Not realizing that what was happening was God was wrapping us a gift, and the wrapping paper was losing that job. Because then you get a job 
that's better, that allows you to be closer to your family, closer to your friends, that gives you the ability to do and be the person God wants you to be, and you never would have looked for it if he didn't take that job from you. Yes, there was a little adversity on the wrapping paper, but the gift was amazing. Why don't we first think he must have taken this from me because he's got a gift that's amazing waiting for me? Why isn't that the first thing that we think, you know? Or maybe you get sick or injured, and the first thing you think is, man, now I can't work. Now that, And all these things start going through your mind, and the first thing we think is, man, this is wrapped up ugly, right? Like Joseph, no way is God moving through this. And then we forget that sometimes if you really want to see how powerful of a healer God is, if you really want to see how powerfully God provides, sometimes you have to face illness. Sometimes you have to face injury because he can't heal someone who's not injured. And he can't provide for somebody who doesn't need it. And sometimes the provision that you need to strengthen your faith, the healing that you need to strengthen your faith, he has to wrap that up in paper called injury and called sickness. But when you come through that, not only is your faith strengthened, everyone that sees you open that ugly gift and find out it's amazing, their faith is strengthened also. Their faith is strengthened just like yours is. Here's a big one. Has God ever not saved a relationship you wanted saved? I've had people come to me and say, gosh, I just don't know why it didn't work out. I prayed that God would bring me a good man and here comes this guy and now it's over and I'm trying to fix it and it just doesn't seem to to go right and now it's over and I'm like listen sometimes God gift wraps a beautiful relationship by ending a terrible one you know what I mean the wrapping paper might be split up but you tear it open and God goes here's the right man you took the first one that come along that's not the answer to your prayer that was the diversion from the answer here's the answer but I had to wrap it in a breakup because you didn't listen to me. You see what I mean? Listen, some of the most difficult, difficult times bring some of the greatest blessings in our lives. So this takes me to the Joseph Effect Part 2. Okay, the Joseph Effect Part 2, because like Joseph, we have to listen to God in our times of adversity, in our times of fear, in our times of chaos. And when we do, He reveals His gifts to us. And that's what Part 2 is of the Joseph Effect trusting God to keep his word no matter what the circumstances right now after this angel you know spoke to him in this dream he could have woke up and said that was just a dream I still have a pregnant wife that is not mine but he chose to listen to God despite the chaos despite the fear despite the adversity he completely trusted God and because of that, look at the blessing. The second part of the Joseph effect is, yes, listen, sometimes we let fear blind us, part one. But part two, Joseph did know when he made a mistake, did listen when God reached out to him, and did end up receiving a great gift. We have to realize that maybe we have not listened in the past. Maybe there are gifts laying around us wrapped in tragedy that we're afraid to open. But when you listen to God when he's speaking to you and trust him enough to open those gifts, he's going to bless your life in ways you can't even imagine so as as you celebrate the birth of jesus this year i want you to think about one thing you know we celebrate the fact that jesus was born to die for us so that we could live am i right 
Nobody wants to talk about that. They say, oh, that's so depressing. Why would you talk about the death of Jesus? I'm like, well, because we wouldn't be celebrating the birth if there wasn't the death. You know what I mean? He was born to die so that we could live. So while we're celebrating that, let's make another promise this time of year that we'll keep, not that I'm going to lose 20 pounds one. Right? Let's make a promise. Since he was born to die so that we could live, let's live for him. Not just December 24th and 25th, but every day of the year. Let's make this the year that we honor him like we're supposed to and thank him for the greatest gift ever given. I'm going to go ahead and close there. I'm going to ask you would to please bow your heads. If this is your first time here, we always give an invitation. You know, I think about that. I had, I had someone tell me one time, why would you do an invitation at a Christmas service? And my response was, why wouldn't I? That we celebrate the fact that we have the offer of eternal life because he was born to die for us. If there's someone here who doesn't know where you stand with Christ, in a time of year where our minds are fixed on gifts and hoping Amazon delivers that prime on time, let me tell you a gift that always arrives on time. If you can trust Jesus for your eternal life on the authority of his word, I guarantee you'll have it. Listen, there's no religion involved. There's no, you know, magic passwords, secret handshakes. You believe, and he gives you that gift. Don't let fear keep you from unwrapping that. And if you'd like me to pray for you while every head is bowed, just make eye contact, bless those people, or put your hand up, bless those people. I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to point you out. Bless those people. And if you're listening online, God knows. I'll be praying for you too. But believers, I want to pray for us that, you know, as we celebrate this year, we remember that God has gifts he's trying to give us all the time and some of the greatest ones come wrapped in adversity. And I just pray that our first reaction isn't to panic when the hard times come, but to just say, man, I can't imagine how great the gift's going to be that he wrapped up like this and live by a little more faith. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for all that you do. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace. I can't even understand how you can love someone like me. I don't understand how you offer eternal life to people you know are going to make mistakes. You know are imperfect. But your love is so much greater than we can ever imagine. It's so much stronger than our mistakes. And I just pray, God, if there's someone that doesn't know you, whatever it is that's holding them back, whether it's religion or maybe they've had a bad church experience, I don't, I don't know. Whatever it is, I just pray you clear it out of their mind and let them see the love that took you to the cross that brought you to that manger only to lead you to the cross so that we could have eternal life and let them trust you. And if they can believe that what you did was enough to guarantee our eternal life, according to your word, they'll have it. And God, for those of us who know you, I pray we don't forget that adversity, struggles, difficulties, none of those things are more powerful than your ability to bless and gift us with things let us look past the wrapping paper and trust in your gift and know that it's going to come right at the perfect time and to always believe that no matter what the situation, you've got our back. God, let us live a life that honors you and glorifies you. Let people see our faith and be drawn to you. During this time of year, God, I pray that your name is uplifted. It's glorified. 
that people's hearts are turned to you more than anything else. And I pray, God, if you don't return to take us home before we get one more opportunity to meet, that we would come together rejuvenated and excited to give you all the praise, honor, and glory you're so worthy of. We just thank you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.